Good morning. It is officially December, which leaves us uh, with only three Sundays this year, which includes today. We have today, next week, and then our last in-person gathering of the year will be our Christmas service on Sunday, December 20th. Uh, We're going to decorate, we're going to max out the stage with musicians and add a few creative elements, and we're going to celebrate uh, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to invite friends uh, and family and coworkers and neighbors to come and hear what Christmas is all about. Uh, we've printed a bunch of inviter cards to hand out. We'll get those to you soon. Uh, and, it's, and we've made a shareable graphic for social media, uh, knowing that the, re- the reality is people are more likely to come to a Christmas or Easter service than any other time of the year. And so we want to really capitalize on that. And I understand there are still many concerns with COVID, which is why we will be asking people to RSVP as much as possible uh, so we can still maintain social distancing in a responsible manner. You know, it's, it's not going to be required to RSVP, but I, it'll be really helpful for us, specifically for planning. And then in January, uh, we're marching towards our one-year uh, birthday, which will be another great opportunity for us to invite friends, family, coworkers, uh, and neighbors to celebrate with us what God has done, uh, and an opportunity for us uh, to look towards the future and what we hope to see God do in 2021. You know, we've got a lot coming up, and so I want to call each of us to be intentionally praying and asking God to move in the hearts and lives of those around us. I've been saying this all year. You know, I believe God is up to something. You know, I have no idea what God is going to do, but I, have, I don't have a doubt in my mind that God's stirring the pot. You know, I, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's doing something, and we see God moving and stirring. We want to join God in whatever he is doing and labor with our God to work in us and also to work through us. Uh, and I really mean this. Be praying uh, and earnestly seeking the Lord, looking to see what God is doing, and then let's go join him in that. And so that said, today we officially begin our journey towards Christmas, with the need for Christmas, the hope for Christmas, and then the light of Christmas. This is what we'll look at uh, on on December 20th. In essence, we're going to see the whole story of the Bible, but primarily uh, everything leading up to the birth of Christ, Uh, which is to be very clear. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, Just to be a little cliche, y'all, Jesus is the reason for the season, okay? That's what we do. And this this week, uh, we're going to start with the need for Christmas. Uh, And I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, but although fun, right, singing Christmas music, wearing tacky Christmas sweaters, decorating, uh, getting your Christmas wish list fulfilled, and drinking peppermint mochas, y'all, that is uh, not why we need Christmas. And I promise I'm not trying to be the Scrooge today, okay? I'm really not, because I too love Christmas music, uh, Christmas cards, and a good old tacky Christmas sweater. But just to make all of this very clear, we don't need Christmas so we can watch Hallmark Christmas movies. No, we, our main idea today is that we need Christmas because we live in a Genesis 3 world. And if you're new to Christianity, or you just have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay, because today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, which is a forewarning, uh, is mostly bad news. Uh, Out of all the chapters in the Bible, this is one of the bad ones. Uh, This is the chapter where everything went wrong. And yes, I promise you, I'm not trying to be the Scrooge today, although I promise uh, it may seem like it at uh, at times, but I'm not angry with you. I really promise. It's like, gee whiz, hasn't this year been hard enough? Uh, And we're looking at more bad news. Well, yes, (laughs) because this is precisely why we need Christmas. We need the light of Christmas because we live in a dark Genesis 3 world. 
You know, if you've ever heard of the term Advent around Christmas, maybe, maybe you grew up observing Advent, uh, maybe you didn't. It's not something that's referenced in the Bible, but began uh, being observed about five or six centuries later and has been observed by many throughout church history. It's often used as a four-week season that's intended to call the church to remember and anticipate Christ's second coming, uh, which is why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, uh, while also remembering his first coming uh, at his birth, which is also why we sing the exact same song. You know, during this season, it's a call for us to look at the first coming, to look at the birth of Jesus while also longing for the second. You know, it's a really good, healthy tradition. And part of this season of Advent uh, is is intended to be a season of fasting and mourning the brokenness of the world, causing us to cry out, Jesus, come soon, come soon, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And so that's what we do today. (laughs) We mourn the state of our dark Genesis 3 world all the while, knowing that a light has come and will one day come back again when there will be no more darkness, where the sun and the moon will be no more, but uh, rather this new world will be lit up by the glory of God, as we see in the end of the Bible. But today, uh, we mourn and we lament our broken and dark Genesis 3 world, but not without hope. Knowing in faith uh, that Christ has come once as a light in the darkness and will come again to fully eliminate the darkness with his glory. And so that said, I want to I take a look at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, specifically the first three chapters, uh, but we're going to focus on just a few things in Genesis chapter 3 uh, to see in more detail from our Genesis 3 world, why is it that we need Christmas? Uh, I've got three reasons from our text as to why we need Christmas, and I'm going to give those to you as we go. But before I give those to you, I'm going to walk through the first few chapters of Genesis, simply just telling the story. Uh, just kind of reading and commentating as we go. And I, and I know, covering this much text, I will not and I cannot do justice to this passage. In fact, these first few passages, uh, these first few chapters in Genesis, uh, we will spend a lifetime digging and digging and digging, and we will continually bear more fruit, helping us to understand the world that we live in. You know, these first few chapters of Genesis uh, are foundational to how we read the rest of the Bible. The principles at the very beginning of God's word, they reverberate throughout the entire Bible and into today, right? Uh, And in fact, if you want to better understand God's word, we need to read and study the first few books of the Old Testament, because when we do that, the rest of the Bible, it starts to really really illuminate and it starts to glow uh, with greater understanding. And so that said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's at the very beginning of the Bible. Uh, We're going to move fast here, Okay. Uh, so pay attention. Uh, in Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, there's so many things that we could point out here uh, about God in this verse. It, it, the idea that God has always been, right? that God was at the beginning, that God is a creator and that God creates. Uh, but what I want to make sure that we do not miss is that God makes it very clear that this story, that, that God's word is about God. Our story, this story is not about us, it's about God, and that is foundational. That this is God's world, we're just living in it, right? Uh, Which is uh, contrary to our world and culture, because everything around us says that this world is about us. But the foundation of the Bible is that, no, this world uh, is about God. This world is God's story. This is not our story. And I'm not going to read through the entire thing, but if you're familiar with the creation story, the very first thing God noticed was that there was darkness and chaos, and it was not good. 
It says in verse 2 of chapter 1, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. There was chaos and darkness and then God took what was chaotic and he gave it order. And God saw the darkness was not good and he provided light and he said the light was good. Now I want you to hold on to that idea because as we know and we'll see in our series, God will come again into the darkness, entering into a chaotic world and he will bring light and order again. And then continuing in uh, chapter 1 in Genesis, we know that God then created over the next few days the waters and the heavens, the land and the seas, the plants and the vegetation, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the animals, the birds, the fish, and the land animals. And if you pay attention, as you read through Genesis chapter 1, you'll notice that everything that God created had a specific order and a specific process. And everything he made, he said it was good. Five times after each day, he said uh, it was good. Good, giving us his very first impression of us. With his first impression, he made it clear to us that God is a God of order and goodness, and that the God that created the world is a good God. And knowing this, the entire story of the Bible is about the goodness of God. And everything God knows, everything God does, we know that God is good. And then, at the pinnacle of his creation, On the sixth day, God created humanity, humans. He created people. He said it was very good. And notice everything he did prior to that uh, was made so that humans could live in this world. Showing us that our creator God is good while his people in his world, they are his treasured possessions. That God loves and cares for humanity. And then on the seventh day, God rested. He didn't leave his creation. No, he rested in peace, completely satisfied with his work. And then if you notice in chapter 2, God reiterates uh, his creation. If you're paying attention, it may seem like a second creation story, but it's not. It's the same one, but it's with an emphasis on his people. It's with an emphasis on his beloved, with humanity. And the first creation account was to show the entirety of God's creation. And then the second creation account emphasized the pinnacle of his creation, which was man and woman, his people. And then in chapter 2, where we see more details of God creating Adam and Eve, where we see God placed them into his creation as a privilege and an honor to cultivate and to care for that which, we, which he created, to name the animals and to eat and to be filled from God's creation. It was a privilege and it was an honor. <laughs> And it was not toilsome labor. No, it was worship. And then God looked at Adam and said, brother, I'm going to bless you with a wife. Okay, Uh, You are not meant to be alone. No, you are created for relationships. And here we see the very first marriage in the Bible uh, when a man and a woman became one flesh and it was good and everything was good. Their relationship with God was good. Their relationship with each other was good. Their relationship with creation and culture was good. Their relationship with work was good. Their relationship with marriage was good. Everything was good. They were with God in the garden, worshiping, finding peace and harmony with God, and it was good. It was like everything was a beautiful symphony, in sync and in rhythm with a steady beat and perfect harmony, and every part perfectly complementing each each other. And then all of a sudden... (laughs) As we leave chapter 2 and enter into chapter 3, everything changes. <laughs> the beat and the rhythm was lost. And as we step into the dark chapter of Genesis chapter 3, we start to see the chapter of the Bible that led our good God to weep. 
A chapter of the Bible that causes each of us to weep and mourn because in Genesis chapter 3, everything in God's good creation, it begins to crack and unravel. And I know so many of you, including myself, have heard this creation short maybe even hundreds of times. Or maybe you're here today and this is the first time. But no matter where you are or how many times you've heard this story, we all need to be reminded of this story again and again and again and again because unfortunately Genesis chapter 3 is the world that we live in. We have a God that created a good world with good food, enjoyable work, with good relationships, and a happy marriage. But yet the reality of Genesis chapter 3 is creeping out of the doorstep every single day. This is our present world. This is our present reality. And this, my friends, is why we need Christmas. This is why we need the light of Christmas, because our Genesis 3 world is dark. And this is where the bad news begins, where the, where the beat and the rhythm is lost. And y'all, just as a forewarning, this is where it starts to get heavy, uh, because it's the bad news. It's the dark side of Christmas. You know, not many jokes, not much laughter, but rather we mourn and we lament our broken world. Look what it says starting in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Thus the serpent, God's enemy, enters the scene. Verse 1 says the serpent was crafty. And what he did here was subtle. He seemed innocent. Uh, but in this moment, what the serpent was doing was inciting doubt and unbelief into God's word. He said, did God actually say, uh, like, did he really say this? Are you sure? And in this moment, it should have been picked up that something was off, that a beat was missed because this crafty serpent was out of sync because up to this point, God was addressed every single time in Genesis 1 and 2 with a personal name, with a name that showed that he cared, that he was personal and he was intimate. But this serpent doesn't call him by his personal name. No, this serpent uses a, gen a generic and an impersonal name for God. And the beat was missed and the rhythm was lost. And then in verse 2, it says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now let me slow down here for a second and put on my lawyer hat, okay? Uh, if we look back at what was said by God in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17, we'd see that God spoke to Adam and not Eve. And God told Adam in Genesis chapter 2, you may eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You know, there's a very subtle difference here between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. God was very specific with the tree to Adam in Genesis chapter 2, but somewhere between Adam and Eve, a few details were lost and also added. And then the serpent enters in again with more subtlety, inciting more doubt. Look at verse 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of your, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent put doubt into Eve's heart and had her questioning God so that she could be deceived, taking God out of the center of the story and enticing her to put herself at the center of the story. All the while, we're sitting here wondering, where's Adam? <laughs> like, where, where is he? And as we'll see in just a second, it seems as if he's just sitting back and just passively watching. And then look what happens next with Eve in verse 6. 
It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. She saw what she was not supposed to have and it was a delight to her eyes. She thought it was good for her. And so she ate it. And then she gave it to her husband who was with her, and, she, and he also ate it. And in that moment, they both blatantly disobeyed God. They were now just, not just a little out of sync, not just a few misbeats. No, they were, their disobedience was like a loud clanging gong, <laughs> a noisy, chaotic cymbal, out of sync and out of rhythm in the middle of what was once a beautiful symphony in harmony. And it's as if the music just stops. <laughs> while the entire symphony looking on, thinking, what in the world just happened? And from that single moment in history, the need for Christmas began. Because somewhere in those first six verses of Genesis chapter 3, we see sin and evil enter into the world where the disharmony of sin began, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. Where the chaos, where there was chaos and darkness that God once had given order and light to, it began to unravel and grow dim. Where God made good and in harmony, sin entered in and spoiled it, and it rattled the rhythm that makes, that makes it seem as if the symphony is over. Which leads us to our very first point today, and it's that we need Christmas because sin is deceitful. You know, as we've seen from Genesis chapter 3, from the very beginning of time, sin has been deceiving in subtle and dangerous ways. You know, God's enemy found a crafty snake, the serpent, and found a few subtle cracks in Adam and Eve's communication. He saw a passive Adam and a doubting Eve, and he found two people that were easily enticed by the desires and power of the world. And that sneaky serpent subtly slithered the disease of sin right into the world, giving our world an incredible need for Christmas. Giving the world an incredible need for a savior, for a redeemer, for a rescuer. For someone to rescue humanity from the disease and the darkness of sin. And as we know, we celebrate Christmas because it's the birth of Jesus Christ coming into the world to save and bring light to the world from the darkness of sin. And so as we think about the deceitfulness and subtlety of sin, may it be a reminder of why we need Christmas. Now, we don't need Christmas for Hallmark Christmas movies. No, we need Christmas because we need a light to shine into our dark world that's caused by the deceitfulness and destructive nature of sin. And so as we look at this interaction with the serpent, Adam and Eve, may we take it as a warning for our own lives, that each of us, every one of us, including me, have cracks and blind spots in our lives. There was a crack, crack, crack somewhere in Adam and Eve's communication. Eve had a crack of doubt and an incomplete understanding of what God said. Adam had a crack of passivity, failing to step in and lead courageously. And both of them did not trust that what the Lord had told them was for their good. And do you know what happened in these cracks and blind spots? They entered, the enemy entered into them. The enemy entered into their weak spots and started sowing seeds of discord and doubt and deceit and disharmony. And what happened at the beginning of time is still happening today because we still live in a Genesis 3 world where our enemy continues to sow these subtle seeds of discord and deceit and disharmony and doubt into our hearts and minds. You know, our enemy finds our cracks and our blind spots and speaks things to us like, you're not worthy. No one likes you. Nobody cares about you. Don't trust that person. 
You're going to mess up again. You're a failure. Can you believe what that person said about you? You don't have what it takes. You're in the right. You've done nothing wrong. You don't need to forgive. You don't have the money for that, but why don't you just go get one more thing? It'll make you happy. We can go on and on and on about these ever so subtle acts of deceit that come creeping into our hearts and minds that often come entering into the cracks and blind spots of our life. And the unfortunate reality of our day is that this is our dark Genesis 3 world that we live in. It's all around us and it's pervasive. But brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. Because in fact, Christ has come into the world to say to all of that, no, you're mine. You're my beloved. I've come to rescue you in this dark Genesis 3 world. We need Christmas because through Jesus Christ crucified, the destructive nature of our sin is forgiven. And we can be rescued and restored. Before we get ahead of ourselves, I want to slow down and take a, take a deep breath uh, and keep wrestling through the consequences and the darkness of this world that we live in. You know, I told you it was going to get heavy, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I promise I'm not a Scrooge. Um, so hang with, hang with me here, okay? Look at verse 7 as we continue with our story. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Adam and Eve, got, they got exactly what they desired, and their eyes were opened, and they knew both good and evil. And although they got exactly what they desired, they walked in disobedience to their good God, and then things starts to change. And they stepped into a dark world, and they realized that they were different. They started to experience shame, and they wanted to cover themselves. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And look what it says in verse 8. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And they were naked and ashamed, and they hid from the Lord. They tried to get out of his presence. You know, whenever, whenever I read this, you know, I always, play, I always think of playing hide and seek, kind of with a two-year-old. You know, at three, they're, 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 they're starting to get pretty good at it. Uh, and, you know, my three-year-old, she is really good, and it kind of scares me at times. Um, sometimes, probably too good. Um, but at two, they're still pretty bad at it. They think if, 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 if they can't see you, then you can't see them. Uh, so they go and put like a pillow over their head or they go and shove their head in the middle of the couch uh, and their entire body's exposed, right? Thinking you'll never find them. <laughs> and then the level of shock when you, they find them, it's, it's pretty cute and funny. You know, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and that's essentially what's happening here because they're hiding from God. And let me tell us something. Oh, we can't hide from God because he sees and knows everything. And look at verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, God, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? In that moment, they were exposed. In this moment, God knew exactly what they did. And because of it, if we were to jump forward to the end of chapter 3, we would see that their relationship was tarnished. And they were then separated from God. Because it says, God sent him out of the garden and they drove, that, that he drove them out of this peaceful place. He drove them out of God's presence because this good God cannot be in the presence of what is not good. 
And because of it, God in much weariness and sadness, yet still in his goodness, knowing that this was for their good, God sent away the pinnacle of his creation, separating humanity from God, leaving all of humanity that followed them, leaving the entire world in need of a rescuer. And as we know, when Jesus Christ was born, he was the rescuer entering into our Genesis 3 world, making a way for the entire world to re-enter back into God's presence, showing us our very, very simply our second point. We need Christmas because our relationship with God is broken And as we know, because of Jesus Christ, who was born, lived a completely good life without sin, and then by dying on the cross, by dying the death that we all deserve to die, he made a way to take away the sins of the world for all those who believe in him. Oh, this is, oh, we need Christmas because we need a way back to God. And Jesus Christ crucified, who was born, lived a perfect life, died and crucified and rose again. He is the only way. He is the way back to God. If you're not a Christian here today, maybe you're watching online. This is very simple. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, you're forgiven. And then you can re-enter back into God's presence forever with him and into eternity. However, if you do not believe in Jesus, if you do not believe in the rescuer of Jesus Christ, then you are forever left out of God's peaceful presence. And if we do not believe in Jesus, Christmas cannot be a celebration. Because without Jesus, this dark Genesis 3 world still rules the day. And the unfortunate reality is that people all over our city, all over our nation, and all over our world that are, are, living, that are living in our Genesis 3 world, wanting to celebrate Christmas, but can it not be a true celebration? Because there is no faith in Christ. Our world is left in this dark Genesis 3 world without a light of hope because they don't have the light. Y'all, our dark world is too much to bear. Our world needs a light of hope. You know, we can look at global statistic after global statistic to see and feel the daunting weight of this world. Like the fact that about to date, 1.5 million people around the world have died this year from COVID. Or the fact that 690 people, million people still go hungry. Or that suicide rates this year have skyrocketed. We could go on and on and on about this, but let's look at what's within our own reach. Right, at Mort Elementary, where our church tries to serve regularly, out of 889 kids, 803 were eligible for free lunch. Tampa Bay has one of the highest divorce rates in the nation. Human trafficking is among the highest in the United States. The state of Florida has the highest refugee population in the country. Four out of five people in Wesley Chapel, Florida, where I live, uh, don't, he- don't adhere to any religion at all. And then in South Asia, in a, in, a, in a place where we partner with missionaries, not the entire country, but just in this one state where 75 million people live, one person dies every minute. And the vast majority have never heard the name of Jesus. And over 99.7% don't proclaim Jesus as Lord. And it's tragic and it's devastating. And then in Central Asia, with our other global partnership in the entire people group, there are only 10 known believers out of 12 million people. And many that do hear and respond to the gospel experience extreme persecution, isolation, and abandonment because of their faith. 
All the while, people every day are born, live, and die without ever hearing the gospel, without ever hearing about the light of Christmas in our dark Genesis 3 world. We could go on and on and on from Genesis chapter 3, pointing out the tragedy of relational turmoil, marriage turmoil, work and cultural turmoil, what that has been caused and is continually caused by the aftermath of Genesis chapter 3, leaving us all crying out in our season of Advent, Advent, come soon, Lord Jesus, come soon. Our world is dark and cold and marred by sin, but brothers and sisters, may I remind you, we do not stand in our dark world without hope because a light has come. Jesus Christ came to be the light in our dark Genesis 3 world. We live in a broken and dark world, but brothers and sisters, although it feels like a loud clanging gong of disharmony, Genesis 3 does not leave us without hope. No, Genesis 3 gives us a small, dim glimmer of light that would eventually become the light of Christmas. Let's look at verse 14 and 15 in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve's disobedience, God addresses the serpent and then also Adam and Eve. But look at what it says to the serpent, starting in verse 14. The God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You know, this is the Bible's very first hint to the good news of the gospel. It's our very first hint to the light of Christmas, which leads us to our last point, And it's that we need Christmas because we need hope. And Genesis 3.15 is a massive plot twist to a seemingly hopeless story. God tells the serpent with the offspring of Eve, there will be a fight. There will be a war, and it will, be between, it will be between Eve's offspring and the serpent. And with this plot twist, God gives them incredible hope by saying, in essence, Eve's offspring, he will not go unharmed. In fact, his feet will be bruised. But in this fight, this serpent, he will have his head bruised. And the scriptures have made this abundantly clear that the offspring that would fight God's enemy would be Jesus Christ, the light of Christmas. Because at the cross, after his birth, Jesus grew up to give a blow to the head of the serpent by going to the cross to provide a way back to God and in turn bruising the serpent's heel. And brothers and sisters, it does not stop there. Yes, the serpent's head was bruised with the first blow by Jesus at the cross. But what we know and can hope for today, when Jesus comes back the second time in the future from now, as Romans 16, 20 tells us, the serpent's head will not be bruised. No, it will be crushed once and for all. Where he can no longer subtly deceive, destroy, and bring disharmony with the disease of sin, the deceitful serpent, God's enemy, will be completely gone. There'll be no more darkness at all. There'll be no more need for the sun or the stars because God's full glory will be our light, completely drowning out every darkness that we see in our current Genesis 3 world. And then to point to another glimmer of hope in Genesis 3, we see in Genesis 3.21, one of the first acts of grace shown to mankind. At the beginning of Genesis 3, uh, if you remember, right after Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were ashamed and they covered themselves with fig leaves. And at the end of chapter 3, one of, this, one of the first acts of grace that was shown when God covered them with animal skin, it says in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made for Adam and for his garments of skins and clothed them. This isn't because they needed clothes. 
No, they had clothes. They had already made them. But instead, in God's kindness, God made a statement saying, although you've disobeyed me, I'm still going to care for you. I'm still going to show you remarkable grace and clothe you with the garments of my sacrifice. Because as we know, you can't get the animal skins without first sacrificing the animal. So God killed and shed blood to clothe his people with new garments, to clothe his people with his sacrifice, foreshadowing that one day God would make a much greater sacrifice to clothe his people. And as we now know, it wouldn't be with animal skins. No, it would be with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then one day, in the future from now, when God's full glory is lighting up the world on that day there, there, where there is no more darkness, we'll see as Revelations 19.8, on that glorious day, we know that we will no longer need to be covered with the righteousness of Christ. No, we will be made completely new and made completely clean because sin will no longer exist. And we will be able to clothe ourselves, as it says in Revelations 19.8, with fine linen, bright and pure. Y'all, we need... Christmas because our world is broken. But may I remind us yet again that we don't live in our world without hope. As we close out our time here today, just kind of meditating and thinking on Christmas, the application I just want to call us to today is simple. We mourn this world, but we long for the next. We mourn and grieve the brokenness and heaviness of our Genesis 3 world, all the while celebrating and remembering that God entered into a chaotic world once as a baby to bring peace and harmony, knowing and remembering that he has not left us, celebrating that God is with us, all the while trusting and believing that he will come and he will do it again, but the next time he comes, it will be once and for all, causing us to cry out with great hope, come soon, Lord Jesus, come soon. New City Church, this is why we need Christmas. Because we live in a Genesis 3 world while remembering we have an incredible hope for the next. Because of that, we can sing and celebrate that Jesus Christ, our light, has come. Let's pray. God, you are good. God, you are kind. God, you're merciful. God, you're gracious. God, you enter into chaos and darkness and you bring order and light. Father, we have an incredible hope in Jesus Christ, uh, Emmanuel, who is with us, God who is with us. Father, we love you and we need you. We ask you in Jesus' Jesus' name, amen.